The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm Leanne Worcester-Nafee, and today I'm your guest host. Like Kate Ebner, I teach at the Institute for Transformational Leadership in the coaching program and the new Transformational Leadership program. I'm really delighted to be your host today, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, leadership presence. On today's show, we have the pleasure of learning about presence from Belle Linda Halpern, Belle is a professional singer and actress who co-founded the Ariel Group and co-authored the book Leadership Presence, Dramatic Techniques to Reach Out, Motivate, and Inspire. This book is one of my personal favorites on the topic of presence. My copy is dog-eared, it's underlined, and it's highlighted because the ideas and exercises are easy to understand and use, whether I'm working with coaches or leaders. I've told Belle that, too. (laughs) Belle has over 20 years of experience successfully translating what she knows about stage presence into invaluable strategies for leaders across the globe and in all sectors from corporations to government and schools. Belle has designed and delivered programs at Harvard Business School, Columbia Business School, and Duke University. Today, you'll find her doing transformational leadership work with school leaders through her nonprofit organization, Inspiring Leaders. So welcome this morning, Belle. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Leanne, and thanks for your nice words about my book. <laughs> and it's true. It's, uh, it, the copy is practically falling apart, so I'm hoping <laughs> that we can share some of that knowledge and wisdom with, uh, with our listeners. Sounds good. So I'd like to start with how you got into this work with Presence. What, what drew you from the stage into boardrooms and, and conference rooms and classrooms? Sure. So it really happened pretty early. I was at Harvard in college, undergraduate, and there was a professor named Mark Rittenberg who came to really uh, teach a class and direct me in a play. And he gave me the idea that you could really take theater into all kinds of other contexts and make a difference using the skills and the behaviors that an actor has to develop and make them applicable to other fields. So I got to work with him first with these amazing Zulu women who were teachers in South Africa, and this was during the apartheid era in the 80s, and they had to get up in front of 80 kids, and how could they make those kids want to learn to read? How could they get those kids engaged? And so I was working with them, helping them with their own presence, their own ability to use their artistry, their bodies, their voices, their eyes to engage the kids. And it was a very inspiring first 
time using theater skills outside of the acting world. Mm. And, then, and then I got to work in Israel with Arab and Jewish teachers who were teaching English, and it was very obvious to me that teaching English would be helped by using theater. But what was the surprise was the natural barriers that would be between Jewish Israelis and Arab Israelis were somewhat uh, lifted or dropped. And there was a whole aha for me about, oh, so theater exercises not only help people with their expressiveness and their engagingness, but also with their ability to build relationships and build trust. That's amazing. All that from a from a um, important and pivotal instructor and teacher in your life, right? Yes, absolutely. He's now a professor at uh, Berkeley at the Haas School of Business. So, how what can leaders learn from the acting world? You gave us some beautiful examples with um, teachers. Mm-hmm. So, take it into the, the that are leaders in the classroom. How about like leaders in business and government? What can they learn from actors? Great. So that was what I mostly did for the last 20 years was work with business leaders at places like American Express and Boston Consulting Group, GE, Deloitte. And the, the, the main thing that we were really talking about was how your presence inspires your teams or your organizations, depending on what level of leader you're talking about. So we worked all the way you know, from frontline managers all the way to the C-suite and at all those different levels, the importance of the leader's ability to authentically engage with the hearts and the minds of the people whom they are leading allows them to build trust, to build a atmosphere where people want to work, uh, to create the kind of motivational field or the kind of climate that allows productivity, allows retention, and it's all about who they are and how they show up. Mm-hmm. You said a lot there, a lot to unpack. So let me, <laughs> let me um, start with one of the basics, and I recognize it, but for leaders who may not have, for our listeners who may not have um, picked up your book or are familiar with your work, from your perspective, what is leadership presence? How do you define it and talk about it? Great. So... I think there's this definition that I just used, which is worth saying again. Yeah. It's the ability to authentically connect with the hearts and minds of others, which is, of course, what an actor has to do mm-hmm. on stage or on screen is authentically connect with an audience. But then what the leader has to do is make that authentic connection with the hearts and minds of his or her audience mm-hmm. in service of a desired outcome. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the service of a better future, in some way, for his or her team or for the organization. So how can a leader in a staff meeting or in an, an off-site talk in such a way that everybody feels connected to him or her and connected to the mission? Mm-hmm. And so I've got to say, when I first heard about this work, and I think about actors and authenticity, those two words didn't go together in my mind. <laughs> you know, we think about actors and actresses taking on a role. You know, they perform something that's not real and genuine. You've done it in your professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you say, wow, 
we can take those same, that same knowledge and experience and translate that to leaders who need to authentically connect, that there can be a disconnect, actually. <laughs> right. So um, you're absolutely right, and it is the conundrum of the work that I do, is that, you know, what do actors do for a living? They're faking it, you could say, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I often say when I walk into a room of people that I'm going to work with, I'll say, you know, the worst thing that I could imagine walking out of here is that you're going to say, oh, yeah, it was a great day. She was teaching us how to fake being sincere. Yes. Right. That's not what I'm doing. And um, I think there's several ways to understand um, both the overlap and the slight differences between the actor's world and the leader's world. But one is, um, you know, when I started this work, I was really helping people with being very present, getting themselves to be the way an actor has to be on stage, 100% present. And that is an absolute um, parallel in both Mm -hmm. worlds, being 100% present, being there, being in the moment, helps people see you as real. Mm -hmm. Rather than what happens in our overstimulated business lives is that we are constantly task-focused. We have so much on our plate that it's very hard to be in the moment with a person who's right in front of us. Right. So that's and, one big overlap. Okay. And then um, the next piece that I think is a, a, a difference is the world of relationship building. So in the actor's world, the skills of empathy, being able to walk in someone else's shoes in order to play a character are extraordinarily well-developed. When you spend the first year of acting school practicing empathy, what does it feel like to live inside of someone else's shoes? And as a leader, I'll come back to playing roles in a moment, but the most useful thing about that empathy piece is the ability to understand what makes people tick who work for you or whom you work with or your clients, but that ability to really practice stepping into their shoes is the building block of relationship and trust. And although it's used for slightly different reasons in theater, it's very well-developed and needs to be very well-developed in the business world. Mm-hmm. So that's two, is the relationship-building piece. Then another big overlap is the expressive piece. So both you know, actors, you could say, sometimes go very far out into the flamboyant side of um, expressiveness. But my experience with leaders is that they deeply need to be able to get their eyes and their face and their voice and their heart and their words to all be saying the same thing. And that ability to find congruence requires a lot of flexibility in the expressive muscle, which is what an actor has. But the, the, the final piece of leadership presence for leaders is about being self-knowing knowing who you are and what you stand for and allowing people to see that. And for years when I was doing this work, I knew that somewhere. I saw people who really had presence, had that kind of comfortable in their own skin, um, knowing their values, salt of the earth kind of attitude. And then I realized, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that that was actually an element that we could bring into the definition of leadership presence and teach. And although actors have to have that ability to know themselves in order to play roles, the need for flexibility is stronger in acting, and the need for authenticity is stronger in leadership. 
So again, you said a lot. Let me let me unpack that. So I heard four things, right? When I was talking about, you know, what can what can the world of leadership learn from from the world of acting? And you mentioned the expressive piece and congruence. Yep. You talked about self-knowing, um, being comfortable in your own skin, knowing who you are, what you stand for, um, where you're going, what matters to you. Then um, the empathy piece, walking in someone else's shoes, being able to step in their shoes and see what they might be thinking and feeling. And the last piece that you started with, actually, the last was the first, is 100% being present, being present in the moment. Did I get those four components Yes, and, and let me say, I didn't say it before I said them, but they are a little bit of a mnemonic to help people remember. So the word presence, the first four letters are P-R-E-S. So the elements we just talked about, being present, P, reaching out, relationship building, that's the empathy and trust piece is the R, expressiveness is the E, leading to congruence, and the S is the self-knowing. So it's the PRES model for leadership presence. Isn't that just brilliant? <laughs> How easy or hard was that for you guys to get that acronym like that? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I totally, I can remember, it was on a plane to um, the Netherlands. I was with another facilitator. We were teaching a program in Amsterdam, and we had developed, you know, this whole manual, but then we were talking. We said, you know, we don't have something to pull it together. What's the, what's the model here? So we really started with skills, and the model came a little bit later, but... Uh, Joel Gluck and I developed that. I remember the moment. That's fantastic. So um, Prez is uh, a way for us to think about it and hold it. And so where do you start? If our, if someone's listening and they want to dive into this, where would they start? If you want to give that a, um, uh, maybe a 30-second response, then we'll break and come back. Sure. So, uh, you know, one simple way to start is to think about how do you want your audience to think, feel, be after you speak to them. Mm-hmm. So thinking about your passionate purpose. So in a meeting, you might start out welcoming, and that might have a certain facial expression and something in your eyes and your voice. And then in another part of the meeting, you might want to challenge people, mm-hmm. and that might feel different in your voice and in your face. Another part of the meeting, hopefully you're going to inspire, and that those three different parts of the meeting might have different qualities within you. So that is one sort of simple way to tag a lot of different expressive skills and relationship building skills by thinking about what is my intention? What is my passionate purpose to happen in this moment? It's actually one of my favorite exercises in the book and that I use quite uh, uh, frequently with coaches and leaders because we often think about the PowerPoint presentation or the handout or the, the content of the meaning, not necessarily what we want to evoke. Absolutely. And, and there's so, so much interesting research about how if we just talk to people's brains, it doesn't work. If, we mm-hmm. just talk, if we're not also connecting to their emotions and their gut. Well, that's a great point. And let's take our first break. So my guest this morning is Belinda Halpern. I'm Leanne Worcester-Nafee, and you're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. We'll be right back.
markets, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. Produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back, everybody. This is Leanne Worcester-Nafee, and I'm guest hosting for Kate Ebner. And my guest today is Belinda Halpern, and she uses creative techniques and ways of cultivating presence from the performance stage to help leaders of all kinds and from all walks of life transform their presence. And right before the break, we were talking about this exercise um, or this strategy of working with leaders who are getting ready to go into a meeting. It doesn't have to be a meeting with 500 people. It can be a meeting at the PTA, and I'm a leader who's, um, who's heading up a subcommittee, or I'm a team leader on the floor in a customer call center, and I've got my normal weekday, weekly meeting. Right, Bell? Yes, absolutely, all those levels. And it's giving some thought and intentionality around not only what I want to say, but how I want to be coming across. What's the passionate purpose? Not just to deliver information, but you, can you say a little bit more about how you help leaders work with this? Because it's not just the thinking about it. There's a mindset, but there's emotions that they will need to tap into and evoke. And also there's the body piece. Yes. So, you know, I think sometimes what's, what's almost ironic or comic is that when you ask a leader, when I go in to work with individuals, they're so aware that they need to inform, that that is the verb that will come up. Like, what am I trying to do here? I'm trying to inform, especially when they have a big presentation to give. And the truth is that if we just try to inform, people have a lot of trouble listening to us. Um, There's, really interesting research by Albert Morabian from many years ago about what people take away from just words 
and then from voice tone and from physicality. And shockingly, in terms of what was really made a difference for people, the, the, just the actual word said was really only 7% of the equation. Um, and that the, the rest of the 93% was voice quality, voice tone, and physical stance, physical gesture. Right, and isn't it also if they're incongruent? Yes, absolutely. So if, it, if um, people don't get it, yeah. And congruence means means what? Well, actually, I'm just remembering this incredible example of incongruence. Can't remember the name of the guy, but when Eastern Airlines was going under, was about to go under, the CEO put out a video, you know, sort of asking everybody to pull together and try to, you know, keep them open. Excuse me. And what was amazing is watching it. He was shifting his eyes. He was monotone. You know, he he didn't look like he cared. And from what I understand, he actually was not a horrible person. But when the the words are, please take this walk with me, we can make a difference if we together put everything in, we can save this place. And the the face is dead and the eyes are shifting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't work. It looks does like it? he's lying. Right. It makes people feel like he's not trustworthy. So it actually did the opposite of what he wanted. So kind of back to your question about that congruence piece. What do I need to think through if I'm a leader who wants to give this a whirl? So, hey, I listened to Bell Linda Halpern today, and I've got a meeting coming up, and, and I want to approach it a little bit differently. What do I need to be thinking and doing, and how can I prepare that brings my body into it, not just my intellect, my Great. full self? So one piece is thinking about how do you want people to feel about the task that they're about to embark on? How do you want them to feel about the organization, about you? Okay. And... So if you want a feeling of excitement, then you've got to make sure that you are congruent with that, that mm-hmm. you're excited about it, and that that shows in your face and your voice, and that your eyes are alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there are lots of different ways that people can practice this. But, for instance, you can practice reading stories to your kids or to your grandkids and get yourself to really use all different mm-hmm. qualities of your voice. Because one of the worst things about meetings and about people just walking out of meetings and feeling like they didn't get anything is the monotone. Yeah. If I start a meeting and I say, I am really excited about <laughs> the marketing plan that we have for 2015. I see great things ahead for us. Right. Unfortunately, I've been in meetings like that. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and often it is not that people aren't feeling it. Right. It's, some, it's either that they're scared of yeah. using their expressive characteristics. Or they don't or, know how, right? Or they don't know how, right? Or somewhere, somehow, they were sort of told or they mm-hmm. got ingrained that they needed to be buttoned up mm-hmm. and that a, a leader in business is calm, cool, and collected and buttoned up. Yes. And the, um, you know, the huge changes in the last 20 years, when I started teaching this work, people would question whether enthusiasm and energy were needed for leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the last 20 years, with all the work around emotional intelligence and Daniel Goldman and the host of other people doing that work, there's so much uh, awareness now that as a leader, you need passion. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to connect to people at both the head and the heart. So there's all kinds of ways of opening yourself up to that. And there's 
you know, the very external ways, which are thinking about face, voice, opening up your instrument, your body, your voice, your eyes, is one way. And the other way is to get very clear on why am I doing this? Why am I excited about it? You know, if, if there's a mission here, and say I'm not even incredibly excited about the mission, can I be excited about my team and really wanting them to come together and what we can do and the excellence that we can create? Um, so there's, you know, finding what's mission-driven and what connects with my values so that I can be authentically excited about where we're going. Yeah, that's the key. What you're saying there is really important. I hear this from leaders a lot who get feedback that um, they are coming across as flat or uncaring or unconnected or the other way, like over the top, Mm -hmm. overboard, in my space. (laughs) And so um, can you say anything about that and how do those experiences or challenges uh, relate to what you see commonly with leaders and the work you do. Great. Well, so I think absolutely where you started that, you know, there are a series of issues that come up in leadership and around one's presence. So one of the catchphrases, the way that I try to help leaders with this, is thinking about what are the roles that you need to play as a leader. Mm-hmm. And if we come back to that question about actors and leaders, another parallel is that Actors are playing roles all the time, and leaders are playing roles all the time. That as a leader, if you play the captain of the ship, and you are 100% of the time on top of your game and telling people what to do and commanding, it's not going to work. Yeah. So as a leader, you've got to find different roles that you are willing to play and that you feel comfortable with and you grow in. Can I jump in here for a minute? Sure. Because what you, when you said captain, I'm on the same wavelength as you because you have a, another um, suggestion in your book about roles. Captain, conceiver, collaborator, coach. Yes. You say about, so I think that's where we're, what we're talking about. We, we have like a, per, a preferred role. Mm-hmm. And we yes. hang out there a lot. And sometimes when you need to be the captain and um, Rome is burning, that's exactly what you want to be in. <laughs> yes. But when it's not, then what else is available to you and how do, how do you help someone step into those other roles? Absolutely. So, you know, for myself, I actually tend to go to captain first. And I've had to learn that when I'm at the beginning of a project and I want buy-in from people, Captain is not the right role, so I need to be much more collaborative. And I've found that many people are on that spectrum, that their natural role is more collaborative mm-hmm. or they're kind of, um, you used the word, but there's another word that's not coming to me. It starts with a D, not your deferred role, but the role that you go to under stress. Um, but anyway, we all have a sort of preferred role, and it can go on a continuum from captain on one side into collaborative all the way at the other end. And the people who are naturally more collaborative and do a lot of asking other people what they think mm-hmm. and check in a lot and make sure that the vibe is good in the team, you know, that can also go downhill. If there's too much processing, everybody gets exhausted and they just mm-hmm. want the leader to take some action. and They want them to lead. Yes. <laughs> they want them to put their foot down and, and, and really show them a direction. I'll say that as a member of a team. Sometimes I'm like, just leave me. I'm ready, willing, and able to go, but show me the direction. Absolutely. 
So it sounds like we're getting the cue for our next break. So um, when we come back, let's pick up this point. And I also want to talk a little bit about the virtual uh, working environment today and leadership presence. So this is Leanne Worcester-Nathy. My guest today is Belinda Halpern. And this is Inside Transformational Leadership. We'll be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Thank you once again for being with us today, and I'm Leanne Worcester Nafee, guest hosting for Kate Ebner, and I've had the pleasure of talking with Bell Linda Halpern about leadership presence. And right before the break, Bell, we were talking about the continuum from captain to collaborator. So I want to give you a few minutes to to um, to wrap that piece up. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's a it's a great way for people to encapsulate how they want to use their presence in different ways. So as you started to say, when you are when something is burning, when you are at the end of a project and you're just in executive order place, this captain role is really important. Also, when people are really confused and they need direction, there's this need to use your voice and your body to show that you're in command, that you're clear, 
that you uh, also have the gravitas to know that what you're doing is important. So all of that really comes up with the captain role. But then there are times when instead of telling people what to do, you need to paint a picture of the future. And I think that's one of the most powerful places that leaders can go, that they forget that they can use story and metaphor to paint a bright picture of the future or a dark picture of what can happen if we don't take these steps to allow people to make ideas come alive insides of their minds and hearts requires a kind of use of language that's making it come alive for people. So that's a, another piece um, of the, the conceiver style, really allowing people to get where we're going. And, and what about the coach? And the coach is that piece of really needing to get in there with all the people on your team and let them know that you are there for them and that they can feel your support and that, yes, you're their manager and, yes, you are going to be um, making decisions about their work life as their manager, but you're also their coach in that there's a piece of you that is going to find unconditional positive regard for who they are and seed possibilities for them and really help people see where they could go. Um, so it's a, it's a piece of the manager that often gets siphoned off because people feel like, well, I can't be a coach if I'm their manager. But there's the capacity to really coach people and let them find their strengths and grow. And then that last piece we talked about before, when you really want to get a whole team together to brainstorm, to feel like they're all in it and they all had a piece of why we're doing what we're doing, that's when you really need to find the collaborative side. And that might be much more about sitting down with the group, passing leadership around, making sure that your voice and your body are not at your biggest, most energetic, most expressive, but more allowing others to take those roles. So if someone wants to um, deepen their work, you know, do one new thing, take one step in this big bucket we're talking around, leadership mm-hmm. presence, <laughs> what would be like one suggestion you would have? I don't have a theater arts background. I'm really liking what she has to say on this topic. I'm really intrigued and I'm willing to try something. What would be one thing you would say? Start with? Start with noticing your energy level and what are you bringing to a group? When you're with one person, when you're with 10 people, how are you enlivening that group by bringing them energy and enthusiasm through your face, your body, your eyes, your voice? Perfect. Great, great suggestion. Now, before we talk a little bit about your um, inspiring educators' work, one last question. I want to take a minute, and I know it's a challenging one. So we were talking about this during the break. The work environment has this big virtual component, and teams are scattered all over geographically. There's less and less face time, and as a result, leaders are often communicating primarily through email and telephone. So if presence is about authentic connection, um, what does a leader need to be thinking about in this context? It's a real challenge. I agree with you. And, and it's real that as companies are growing more and more global, there's more and more of a need for these virtual teams. So I'd say you know, three things about it. One is to not delete the in-person time. That as a leader, you've got to get on the road and go see your people and make sure that they mm-hmm. see you in person and feel your presence in person because it's just too hard to 
fully, fully connect. I mean, it's almost impossible over email, and on the phone, it's, it's less than ideal. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so that's number one. The number two is when you're on the phone to actually really think about your energy. You know, when I'm on the phone doing a virtual meeting, I actually am standing up, I'm walking around the room, I am smiling a lot, really trying to make sure that my enthusiasm and my energy come into my voice. Are you standing now as we're talking? <laughs> I'm not, but <laughs> okay, uh, just have a, a lot of practice. You got good enthusiasm <laughs> and energy. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. I just stood up. Let's see if there's a difference as I go. <laughs> I think I'm going to try along with you. And what was the third one? You said there were three. Well, the third one is to be very, very careful about email. Oh, actually, there's a fourth. But careful about email just because it's such a danger around written communication and not feeling the tone. So any kind of difficult information, any kind of conflict, we have to be very careful about using email. And then the last one is being willing when you are hosting conference calls to play the captain a little bit more. That when you're hosting a conference call, you've got to really facilitate, make sure people are called on so they will speak, have a very clear agenda and a way to get people engaged because, of course, otherwise they're all on their computers and they're hardly there. Right. So it's very hard to get an engaging meeting going unless you are very, very specific about what you want from each person. That's really helpful. Thank you for those. So I want to make sure that we segue here and have some time to talk about kind of what's new and exciting for you and and the work that you're doing with Leadership Presence. So tell us about your work at inspiringeducators.org, your work with school leaders. Like what prompted your interest and this new focus? Yes. So when I started the Aerial Group with Kathy Lubar more than 20 years ago, we always had a small nonprofit piece of our work. We called it Serve the Server. We called it Aerial for Educators. And then when I sold the Aerial Group in 2012, I was able to take the intellectual property of leadership presence work and apply it to specifically K-12 nonprofit low-income school leaders. It's something that's been very important to me since I was a kid. My parents actually started a Montessori school in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, wow. And I got very young that there is this real possibility of high expectations, of teachers making big differences in the lives of kids, and that school leaders could really create school climate where kids would have a sense of belonging, a sense of safety, and an ability to learn. So um, I was felt very lucky that beginning of 2013, I was able to start Inspiring Educators. And last year, I brought on Arnie Zarkessler, who's a wonderful executive director. And we have been able to get in there with both Boston Public Schools, with Teach for America, alumni school leaders, with Uncommon Schools and Achievement First, both outstanding charter networks, helping their leaders with their own presence so that they can improve school climate, and therefore improve student achievement. And what uh, has been the ripple effect? What are you noticing? Well, the one thing that I'm noticing that's wonderful to see is that more once we get into a school system, they want more and more and more programs. Well, that's so We're good. now working with both um, leaders in training. You know, they're called fellows, so people who are going to be principals are going to be directors of operations, and then we're working with principals down the road at several different 
organizations. And I think the ripple effect for the leaders is that they're getting that not only that they, do they need to be data crunchers and be thinking about the systems to get the schools to work, but that they themselves can use their own presence to inspire. And I think a lot of the people that are attracted to education reform are very smart and have done a lot of work on understanding what the systems are and what the data is that will help them to help kids achieve. And the ripple effect of the work that we're doing is helping them recognize that they can also use their own personal mission, their own personal story as a way to inspire and connect with the school community. Well, it kind of reminds me of what you were talking about a few minutes ago, like bringing your full self, like all of who you are. Because like you said, they're um, smart, they're, they, uh, un- there's an understanding, they've got the intellectual uh, uh, fortitude and ability, and now it's reconnecting them or reminding them about um, their passion and mm-hmm. their excitement yeah. and kind of the why it matters. Yes, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I just worked with a leader at one of the schools who was saying that he never felt it was appropriate to talk about personal stuff, that you know, he was all about the kids, all about figuring out the systems to get the teachers to be able to teach at their best and get the kids to be able to arrive in an appropriate way and eat lunch in an appropriate way and you know, that all of the systems were so important. And he wasn't telling them stories about why he was doing what he was doing. And when I finally got him to tell a story, it was just an amazing story. I was, and I, you know, everyone in the room was bowled over and thought, this is what we need to be doing to help people feel inspired. Oh, so something so simple, right? Just put on their radar screen and then stepped right into it. Right. And I think it's the lucky thing about school leadership is that the whole enterprise is so inspiring. That is, once you can connect with mm-hmm. the possibility for kids, and the possibility, if we don't do this, what's going to happen to kids? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it allows a huge um, upsweep in the possibilities for team inspiration and for the whole climate of a school to get mobilized around vision and values. That's terrific. So what are you learning from these new groups of leaders mm. um, that you could translate to the leaders in business and government? Anything new on that? Not, not, and I know that when you were doing, in your 20 years, you've been working with leaders in education anyway, but now with your focus really being in that direction, I'm wondering what, if anything, is that you're learning that we can translate back over? Well, I leaders. think one of the things that's been really interesting is um, I started working with this idea of everybody needs to be able to answer four questions. Why do I do what I do? What is it that I stand for? What is my vision? And what do I need from you? And those questions are what school leaders need to ask themselves and be able to speak to parents and teachers and communities. And they're the same questions that business leaders can also think about. Why do I do what I do and how can I express that in a way that will inspire the people around me? Mm-hmm. And do the... Do the um, any personal ahas for you as a leader... Mm. leading this. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I think I did not share so much of my own personal story um, over the past many years. And through the work in schools, I've recognized that my personal story is really important for people to know who I am. So even in early meetings, I end up both asking about people's personal story and sharing some of my own, 
why I do what I do and why I'm inspired by them. That's great. Well, it looks like we are about to um, wrap things up today, Belle. Um, If someone wants to get more information about you, the work that you're doing, where would you like them to, where can they best access you? It's very easy through our website, www.inspiringeducators.org. They can also email me directly, bhalpern at inspiringeducators.org. And they can also pick up a copy of your book. Absolutely. And if they're in the business world and they're really interested in this work, I also recommend them to go to the Aerial Group, www.arielgroup.com. And just a reminder on the title of your book, Leadership Presence, Dramatic Techniques to Reach Out, Motivate, and Inspire. So my guest this morning is Belle Linda Halpern. I'm Leanne Worcester-Nafee, and you're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. We'll be right back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, Produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. This is Leanne Worcester-Nafee for uh, Kate Ebner today, and my guest is Belinda Halpern. So, uh, Belle, why don't we pick up, since we've got these extra few minutes, and talk about the concept of story, because you were saying that was one of your ahas in this work that you're doing as you lead inspiring educators. Absolutely. So I had the good fortune of taking a course at the Kennedy School last fall with Marshall Gans, and he has this whole concept of public narrative. 
being able to tell your story in a way that inspires other people to connect with the stories inside of their own hearts and get more connected to why they're doing what they're doing so that you can get a group really behind a mission. And the work that Marshall Gans did does really fit with the work that I've been doing for years around storytelling and helping people tell both um, non-personal stories about an idea to tell, tell, tell it in a way that will help people connect, but also to tell personal stories so that people get a double, double whammy. First of all, they understand more about you, mm-hmm. and they get connected to your mission or to your idea. So, um, you know, I could share, I have started before to talk about a transformational moment with a leader in a school, and I just tell you, it, so he, he was saying that he never told these kind of stories, but being forced to by us in this workshop, mm-hmm. he started talking about, you know, the first time I taught, I was a young teacher my early 20s in Newark, New Jersey, and I had a class of eighth graders, and they were totally not invested in school. I was teaching English, and they were not with me, and they were talking all the time and not listening. And about halfway through the year, somehow I found my groove. I got them to listen. I got them to start wanting to read, start wanting to learn. And skip ahead 15 years, these kids are now 28 years old, and I still get calls from these guys saying, you know, you turned my life around. You got me to care about school. Mm. That's one of the reasons that I am doing the work that I do is because of those calls I still get. But I want to tell you something else. Some of those guys in this class, they're now dead. And that's one of the reasons I do the work that I do Mm. because I want us to create structures in school that will allow kids to stay in school, to turn their lives around, and to not end up the way some of my eighth-grade classmates ended up. That's a powerful story. Yeah, so he told that story. And, of course, the, the group of other school leaders are just totally moved. And the conversation became, why do we not share those stories? Mm-hmm. Why are we not sharing why we're in this work? Because that when people can feel the emotional and the intellectual connection, mm-hmm. it allows them to even want to commit to greater work and greater enthusiasm towards turning kids' lives around. So do you have a suggestion here? I'm thinking about leaders in business and government today who have a lot of changes that they're implementing. Um, Change, change, change. It's Mm. one right after the other. And often their people are not excited about it. It's hard, right? And so how does a leader find a story because it's like, I want them to be enthusiasm, enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. I want them to march forward with us. We've got, you know, this is the right direction. And yet, they know that people aren't there. And they themselves as a leader might not quite be there yet. And so how vulnerable do I be about that with my group? Well, I hear two different questions there, and they're both good questions. But if I go first to the whole question of what kind of story can you tell in those situations? Mm-hmm. And then I think... The first way to think about it is what are the values that I want to speak to? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in terms of change, there's a lot of values that you need. You know, you need people to find their own um, courage. You need people to be able to uh, have a vision for the future so that they have something to believe in. Um, you need people to have dissatisfaction with the present. Um, you need to have flexibility 
So if you can find a story that relates to one of those qualities, say in your own life, when you found courage or when you found your own flexibility, um, then that can help people to find their own. Or, or actually, you can also do the opposite. If you can tell a story, you know, when you didn't have mm. the flexibility to make the change that was needed and how that really hurt a life choice of yours. That's a, allowing a vulnerability, which, again, we do a double whammy there. If you're, you can find your own vulnerability and are willing to share it in a way that is strategic. So I wouldn't say that you want to be vulnerable about how you can't do the work that's right in front of you. Right. As a leader, people want to see you as comfortable and confident. But knowing that you have some vulnerability, you know, the vulnerability is the chink in the armor that allows us to connect. Mm-hmm. So if you can share some story of when you didn't do something perfectly, when you failed, when you had to deal with change and it wasn't fun for you, um, when you as a kid had to go from school to school, your parents made you move around a lot. You know, I, I remember um, a story that uh, working many, many years ago at Mobile Oil and there was a director who had to get people engaged with consultants and they weren't willing to connect with the consultants. And he ended up telling this story. He said, you know, guys, when I was a kid, I moved around a lot, and my dad would always make me go out for the pickup baseball game on Saturdays. I didn't want to go, but he would make me go. I went and sat on the bench in this new town. I'm 11 years old. Nobody picks me for the team. I come home depressed. My dad says, you've got to go out next week. I go out again next Saturday, sitting on the bench. Nobody picks me for the team. My dad forces me third Saturday in a row. I'm out there. Finally, somebody picks me. I'm the last one on the bench. Well, you know what? I hit a home run for that team. Mm. And that's what our consultants can do for us. Let's not make them sit on the bench. Let's use them because they can help us hit a home run. So, you know, he's both telling a story about his own life, but connecting it to an idea, a vision of where his division needs to go. That's really helpful. Stories about values I want to speak from, stories about struggles that I've had that tie into what we're trying to do here moving forward. So, Val, we're getting the the signal that we really are coming to a close this time. It's not a false close. (laughs) So I really want to thank you again for this really interesting and fascinating and fun conversation and give you another 30 seconds or so if there's any final tip or idea or thought you'd like to leave us with today? Well, I could just say that I am excited about where we're going in terms of recognizing the need for this emotional intelligence, this ability to emotionally connect and build bridges so other people can get connected with us and be excited about new ideas and new directions. It's been great. Thank you so much, Belle, for everything. We can contact Belle at uh, www.inspiringeducators.org. You can also reach her via email and pick up a copy of the book she co-authored on leadership presence. You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, sponsored by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. This is Leanne Worcester-Nafee, substituting for Kate Ebner. I hope you have a great week, and you'll tune in next week. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week. We'll be right back.